Imputed Podcast starts right now. And welcome everybody, this is the Asmin and Budic Show. Jake Asmin joined alongside Dan Budic. And Dan, another week of the NFL season is upon us. A very disappointing week coming in for the New York Jets. We'll get to that in a little bit. Tough Monday night loss to the Bears. We have a lot to say about that game. We're going to break that down later on in the show. As always, we'll have our pigskin pickums later on. And, of course, we'll go around the league. And we'll start with that because there's a lot of good games going on. Obviously, before we record this, the New York Giants are playing Thursday night football. So we're not going to be able to really pick that game and break it down. Because by the time we release this show, that game will have already occurred. So we're going to break down the other games instead. And a really good game coming up on Sunday at 1 o'clock. The Packers are going to be at the Bears. We just saw the Bears play, and of course the Packers are coming in of a tough loss to the Lions. And we saw the Jets take on the Packers, and they struggled for a lot of that game. Packers right now are sitting at 1-2. and two. And Aaron Rodgers this week came out and said, uh, you know, to calm down to the Packers fans, to really relax. But this is a Packers team that hasn't played its best football early on. Yeah, both the Bears and the Packers haven't played you know, great football. And we'll talk about the Jets and Bears game from, uh, from Monday night just... Uh and a little later in the show, but when you look at it, both teams didn't play well. I mean, the Packers only put up seven points on a Lions defense that that's com- was coming off a week where they didn't play well, and the Bears really couldn't get anything going against the Jets defense. It was just because the Jets handed them 14 points, they were able to get that victory. I don't think the Bears played particularly well, so both teams are c- kind of limping in, so to speak, even though you have the Bears obviously coming off a win. But Green Bay, you know, I agree. I don't think it's time to panic. You know, they did beat the Jets. They, it was a, they came back from 18 points down and, and rallied in the second half to win that game. But a very disappointing loss where you only put up seven points uh, against a, a Lions defense that traditionally Aaron Rodgers had had a lot of success against. Now, the Jets could not pick apart, apart that weak Chicago defense, that secondary that has so many guys banged up. You didn't even know some of the players that were out there by the end of that game. But that's another story on the failures of you know, just how poorly the Jets played the other night on Monday Night Football. But the Packers and the Bears, it's a situation here where the Aaron Rodgers is the type of quarterback that should be able to pick apart the Chicago secondary if Chicago's not for the challenge. And that's why if I'm a Packers fan, I'm not worrying just yet. You trust Aaron Rodgers, you trust this offense to be able to get things figured out, score more obviously than just seven points, and go on the road and probably, you know, play well offensively. It's, it, I think it's going to come down to how well the Packers' defense plays against Jake Cutler and those receivers. But the bottom line is the Packers, you know, if they play like they're capable of, they shouldn't have any problem putting up points in a very weak Bears defense. Very weak Bears defense, and you just – Obviously, the Jets couldn't do so, but even offensively, you know, I don't think the Bears are anything tremendous offensively. I think a Packers secondary, which you know is is subpar, but I still think they could do a job of covering you know guys like Alshon Jeffries and you know and Brandon Marshall, and who knows how how healthy Marshall's going to be on Sunday. So I think that definitely goes into the Packers' favor, and I just think they're due for a bounce back week. They just really did not perform last week offensively. They couldn't move the ball inside the twenties, and they couldn't push it to the end zone when they needed to. You know, their defense stood up all right against the Lions offense that, that could be potent, that could put up points, as we saw uh, last couple of weeks, especially week one against the Giants. But, you know, for the Packers, I just think it's about it's about moving the football inside the 20s, getting into the red zone and being able to punch it in. Another game looking to right now, this is a matchup of one of the teams involved in the NFC East, or excuse me, the AFC East. That's the Buffalo Bills. The Bills, who started the season 2-0, and had a tough loss against the San Diego Chargers at home. Now they're going to be in Houston taking on J.J. Watt and the Texans. And, you know, I have a lot of question marks about the Bills. I don't know what team you're going to see coming out on 
on Sunday, what type of EJ uh, e. Manuel are you going to get from the quarterback position from Buffalo? And of course, the Texans suffered, you know, a tough loss to the Giants. They were never really in that game. The Giants kind of, you know, won that game from start to finish. They played their best game of the season. And you look at the you look at the Bills and you know the struggles they had last week against the Chargers. I think there's a lot of question marks surrounding the Bills. Obviously, through three games, you really don't know what type of team they are just yet. Well, I don't think you know what type of team you don't know what type of team either of these teams are because you look at Houston. They won their first two games. Kind of, you know, they, they didn't exactly beat up on their opponents. And then you talk about uh, coming into Giants Stadium and really laid an egg against the Giants. They did not come out offensively. They couldn't move the ball. The Giants really played, obviously, their best game of the season in three weeks, getting their first win. And for Buffalo, you know, it, it, it wasn't what we saw in the first couple weeks. We saw a lot of positive things out of E.J. Manuel in this offensive unit in the first two weeks of the season. And it just seemed like against the San Diego Chargers defense that did a tremendous job the week before against the Seattle Seahawks you know, continued with that same, going on that same pace and really did a great job against E.J. Manuel and this, and this you know, pretty good to, de- this decent to pretty good Bills offense. So it, just as far as this game is concerned, I don't think you know the identity of either of these teams. You know, Houston's a team that was the worst team in football last year, got two quick wins and then laid an egg against a subpar New York Giants team. And then you have Buffalo who, who were able to get their first two wins and, and didn't play well against San Diego at home. So I, I'm, I really don't know the direction of either of these teams. Still early, but I think, either, I think both of these teams can either be pretty good or pretty bad going forward. Dan, you look at another big matchup, but this one is in the AFC South. You have Tennessee taking on Indianapolis. Indy really righted the ship a week ago. They defeated the Jaguars by a huge margin. You know, that was one of the games that we picked. I think the combined score heading into that game was like 65-13 to in their past couple matchups. So Indianapolis got a big win. And then Tennessee has struggled since they won their opening game against Kansas City. So that's going to be, you know, a game that you would expect Indianapolis to win. I, when you look at the Tennessee Titans, I, I don't think they're a very good football team. And I think it starts under center. I don't think Jake Locker is the guy going forward for them, but obviously they're they're going to stick with him. There's a guy that's a guy they drafted just you know three four years ago in the first round. So as far as he's concerned, I, you know he played very poorly last week. And I think when you get poor play out of the quarterback position, as you see with every team in the National Football League, you're going to have, not have much of a chance to win. And Jake Locker, you know, for a guy who's in his fourth year, looked like a rookie. I mean, he makes some he makes some arrant passes that are just. Abysmal, off his back, leg. He doesn't know when to slide for first downs. He he doesn't know his receivers. They're not on the. He's not on the same page as his receivers. I I don't think Jake Locker is the guy going forward for them. And I just think the Colts are just a much better football team, one and two. But I don't think one and two is indicative of how good the Indianapolis Colts are going to be this year. Andrew Luck is one of the best quarterbacks in football. You know, former number one overall pick, obviously by the Colts, the heir apparent to Peyton Manning, and, and he's. And he's lived up to that expectation. And I think the Colts are going to be fine going forward. As far as Tennessee is concerned, they have a lot of issues at quarterback. They have a lot of issues in their secondary. I'm not sure how good this Tennessee Titans is going to be. I think the Colts are a pretty good football team. The Colts should win this football game. Yeah, I agree with you. And another game we'll, we'll touch on as we move along to the schedule is the Baltimore Ravens taking on the Panthers. The Ravens are actually 2-1. and one, and They've won two straight since the whole Ray Rice controversy really escalated when TMZ released that video. So that's a credit to John Harbaugh and that coaching staff getting his team focused because they've been able to win two straight since then. And then you look at the Panthers, who I picked to beat the Steelers the other night at home, and they got killed by the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers went in there, played their style of football that we're used to seeing from the Pittsburgh Steelers over the years, and just dominated that football game. So this is a matchup that I think could go either way. I think it benefits Baltimore, obviously, being at home. But, you know, Carolina, after how poorly they played a week ago, you'd expect them to try and have a bounce-back game. They were awful. Uh, They were awful prime time. 
against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They couldn't they couldn't do anything offensively against a Steelers defense that isn't very good. They need to bring in James Harrison for pass rush. Which is a thing we'll address on right now. Do you think James Harrison can help the Steelers the Steelers defense in any way? Well, I mean, just moving over to the Steelers, I think he's going to help, but I mean, this guy is a guy that retired 3 months, 4 months ago. I mean, how what shape is he going to in and what impact can he have right away? That's just as far as the Steelers are going to be. But just going back to the game we're talking about here, the Panthers at the Ravens 1 o'clock on Sunday. You can see that game on CBS. As far as that game is concerned, I just think Carolina's got to do a better job moving the football. You know, like a lot of teams, they could not do a thing on offense. They, they could against, a, like I said, a Steelers secondary, a Steelers defense that need to bring in James Harrison because they lack pass rush. And it just looked like Cam Newton maybe didn't have the best game plan with this offense going in. And as far as the Ravens are concerned, I haven't seen that Baltimore Ravens defense that, 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 that we're accustomed to. And I know they don't have Ed Reed anymore. And I know they don't have Ray Lewis anymore. But they're a team that is, that is vulnerable to the deep ball, and they're vulnerable to the pass over the middle to a tight end. And I just think you have a guy like Greg Olson, and I think that type of guy can expose this, this secondary and this, this backfield and this secondary for the Baltimore Ravens. So as far as that game is concerned, the Ravens, obviously you mentioned 2-1. and one. I think Joe Flacco's got to play a little better if, he, if they're going to be serious contenders in the East. I think he's got to play a little better quarterback. And speaking of the Pittsburgh Steelers, who we just touched on a moment ago, they're going to be uh, at Heinz Field back at home taking on the horrendous Tampa Bay Easy Bucks. Easy win for the Steelers. Yeah, we don't even have to spend they, that much time walk. in this game. The Buccaneers are a, a train wreck. Their what? performance on Thursday Night the, Football Week against seen, the Falcons. I've never seen a worse performance. They were performance. down 50, what was the five? 56-14 was the final score. It's they just, were down 56 nothing. Yeah, it was a beatdown. I mean, the, at one point it was 56 nothing, and you know, totally embarrassing. And a lot of people, including Peter King of Sports Illustrated, everyone was so high on the Bucs, and I just didn't understand it. Yeah. You know, they didn't have a great season a year ago. They brought in Josh McCown, who I think is a big question mark. You don't even know, you know the type of production you're going to get out of him. And you look at the Steelers team coming in, and they obviously really impressed me with the, what they did to Carolina. I didn't think Pittsburgh was going to be that good. I actually picked them to beat Baltimore on Thursday Night Football a couple of weeks ago because of all the turmoil in Baltimore. But they didn't get the win there, and you know they barely beat Cleveland, the Cleveland Browns in Week 1. So Pittsburgh has still a lot to prove, but they should have no problem being an awful Tampa Bay Bucks team. And another 1 o'clock game that will t- be taking place in Oakland on Sunday is the Dolphins are going to be at the Raiders, and the Miami Dolphins coming in really struggling. A lot of talk about their quarterback, Ryan Tannehill. Head coach Joe Philbin said that he wasn't going to name him the starting quarterback after the press conference after their game on Sunday. And Tannehill is likely still going to start, but you know, it just shows you how things are going in Miami. They beat the Patriots in week one, and they've struggled the past two weeks. Ryan Tannehill is a guy, Jake, and I, you know, I think you'll agree with me. He got better, and then he just kind of flattened out. And I think this is what Ryan Tannehill is. I don't think he's getting much better. And one second point to note, this game is actually at Wembley Stadium in, o- in, oh, in right. London. This is the London. I was actually kind of confused reading that uh, 1 o'clock game in Oakland doesn't usually happen because it's on the West Coast. No, right. this is but the this London. is actually a game in London, so important to point that out, that this game will be taking place at Wembley Stadium in London. But the London games is a whole other issue that I, I just think that's I – don't, I do not think they should be playing regular season games in London. I agree with you. and you It know, takes a home game away from a team. Why is that fair? I agree, and I just think the quality of the fields out there is, is, just, is not NFL caliber. And You know, I understand that the NFL is trying to expand, but play a preseason game a out there. A preseason game. I just think it's a, I, I agree with you. I think it's a waste to, to take a home, it's home not game away fa- from a team. How valuable are home games in, in the NFL? Why is it? I know the Raiders, whatever, but the Raiders are, you know, 0-3. They're not a very good football team, and 
But, but, but that's besides the point. But you're not even sending the, the, the people in London, the the, uh, the English who come out and watch this game, a quality matchup. You're sending them the one and two Miami Dolphins who have lost two straight, and you're sending the Oakland Raiders out who are 0-3 with just, a rookie quarterback. I just think, and I think the Raiders are going to win this game. I think the Miami Dolphins, and like I mentioned about Ryan Tannehill, I think he's just flattened out. I, I don't think Ryan Tannehill is going to get much better. He only started one year in college. I think he got he, he showed some promise real quick, but I think like a lot of guys that, that, that kind of, Come out of that same kind of court, that same kind of quarterback, not that top, not the highest regarded prospect, middle of the first round type of guy, just kind of flattened out. I don't think Ryan Tannehill is going to get much better. I think Oakland's going to get their first win. I don't think Miami the deep the Miami Dolphin defense is very good, and I think I like what I've seen out of Derek Carr so far to tell me that I think he can get this win in London and beat a Miami Dolphins team that's you know, almost as bad as they are. You know, the Raiders come in struggling, obviously, but they're going to have to win eventually. I think the Dolphins, the way they're struggling right now, watching them just get their, you know, get their butts beat by Kansas City at home last week in week three of the NFL season. You know, I, I think if the Raiders are going to win a game, this is a perfect opportunity for them to be able to do it. You're in London. You're away from a lot of distractions out there. You have an opportunity to, you know, really take advantage of a team that's coming in struggling just like they are. So I agree with you. If I had to pick, I'd, pro- I'd probably take the Raiders as well. And then another game uh, we're talking about at 4 o'clock. Well, I don't know if it's worth talking about. Is the Jacksonville Jaguars taking on the San Diego Chargers. The Chargers come in 2-1, and one, fresh off a victory against the Bills. And the week before that, they beat the Seahawks. So after losing week one to a good Cardinals team, you know, the Chargers have really come back very very nicely. They've won two straight, and they should be able to beat up on an awful Jacksonville Jaguars team. But, Dan, we talked about last week how they should just start Blake Bortles. Well, they were starting Blake Bortles this week. Bortles came in at the end of their game last week against the Indianapolis Colts. So now the Jaguars going with the rookie quarterback against a very good San Diego Chargers team at home. Yeah, and this could be a trap game for the Chargers. I, I think they're going to win the game. But, you know, coming off two big wins, they beat, up, they beat the undefeated Buffalo Bills, and they beat the defending Super Bowl champions at home. This could be a trap game. You're coming and facing a Jacksonville Jaguars team that's 0-3. They're awful. They're awful, but you see, but you got Blake Bortles getting his first start, which is important because now you're getting exactly. you're giving Blake Bortles you're the opportunity to but, learn but maybe, on the fly. Your, your season means nothing, and we talked about this on the show last yeah. week. You get Bortles an opportunity to come in, play the quarterback position, and pick up valuable experience. You weren't going to do anything with Chad Henney as your starting quarterback. That, no, no, let you, Bortles come in and learn. Exactly, you let Bortles come in and learn, but maybe he could provide a spark for this offense. And this could be a trap game for the San Diego Chargers. I still think they're going to win the game. They are at home. I do not expect them to lose to the 0-3 Jacksonville Jaguars at, Qual- at Qualcomm Stadium at home. I, I don't, just don't think it's going to happen, but this could very well might be a trap game. And it's going to be nice to see Blake Bortles finally getting a chance to start a quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. He has a full week to prepare for the game. It's not like he's just being thrown into yeah. you know, a situation. Well, he got like thrown in last week. I mean, the game was over. Yeah, he threw two touchdowns, had two interceptions. He played okay, but you know, he has a full week of preparation now, knowing that he's going to be the guy. Uh, I'm actually very curious to see how Blake Bortles does in his first career NFL start. And then another really good game. This is probably you know one of the marquee games of the entire week. You have the Eagles at the 49ers. The Niners come in really struggling. The Niners are sitting at 1-2. and two. They beat Dallas week 1, but they blew the lead against the Bears in week 2. And then last week against the Cardinals, they just got outmatched by a really good Cardinals team. We're really starting to see. And Drew Stanton playing that quarterback position for the Cardinals. And then you look at the Eagles, and the Eagles are 3-0. and They won an absolute shootout against the Redskins at Lincoln Financial Field a week ago. So this is a very good game. You have a great offense against a very good defense. How do you how do you like this game shaping out? We're gonna make our picks later, but you know you just look at these matchups, and I think coming in this is about a pretty even game going forward. It's a very very even game, and I, I like the Eagles only because I think 
the Eagles are coming in as a hotter team. I mean, the San Francisco 49ers have not played well. So you see the 49ers going to one and three. I see the 49ers falling to one and three. I think the I think the Niners, I think they're they're a real good team, just like they've been the last couple of years. But I, you haven't seen that consistency uh, again. You haven't seen that consistency on offense, and you haven't seen that defense we're used to by the 49ers, where you're not you're not going to get points. You're you, they're going to hold you to field goals, and they're going to beat the crud out of you, and they're going to and they're going to rush the passer. We just haven't seen that type of defense from the 49ers yet, which is concerning. And you're coming in against a Philadelphia Eagles offense that's led by Nick Foles, and Nick Foles really played an unbelievable football game, being put on his butt almost every time he dropped back. He obviously that late hit. Uh, which was disgusting uh, after the interception he threw last week. I mean, he was taking hit after hit. I think he really played well, and I think the Philadelphia Eagles are 3-0 for a reason. I think they're going to go into San Francisco Levi Stadium and beat the 49ers. I don't think the 49 the 49ers are not playing good football right now. They're struggling, and I think the Eagles are going to take advantage of that. I think the fact that the Niners are at home helps them a lot, and I think the Eagles are going to obviously have to lose eventually. I think they're going to be able to figure it out. If I had to make a pick in this game, I would take the Niners. I think that the Eagles are not going to be able to put up the amount of points they put up against this Niners defense. The Niners defense has played okay. They're going to need to get it together. They're going to need to figure it out. But, you know, you look at, you look at this Niners team, and, yeah, they have struggled. And, you know, they lost a very a very tough game to the Cardinals. But the defense is still ranked sixth in the league. Their offense is only 21st. That's really where they struggled. Well, Colin well, Kaepernick has not been able to really well, get anything you, going. Well, the thing is, if you look at their offense, they're 21st in offense. 17th in rushing. They're not rushing the football between whether it's in the backfield or whether it's Colin Kaepernick, you know, on the run. They are not rushing the football. And then 17th in passing. That's a mediocre offense. You know, that that's not an offense that's going to put up that many points, and it hasn't. No, and this is an offense that has to figure it out. They've shown the potential to, you know, for a, a few seasons now. They've gotten a three straight NFC Championship games, and, of course, they went to the Super Bowl just two years ago. So this is a Niners team that I expect to bounce back and pick up, you know, a big win against the Eagles on Sunday and another Four o'clock game, the final four o'clock game before we get to the primetime Sunday and Monday night games. You have the Falcons at the Vikings. The Vikings obviously are a train wreck right now coming into this football game. They're one and two. Atlanta's two and one. Fresh off a smackdown. We talked about it earlier in the program against the Bucks. And you know, this is a game that I don't expect to be that much different. I think if Atlanta just goes in and takes care of business, they should have no problem beating a you know a very bad Vikings team without Adrian Peterson. Yeah, and without Adrian Peterson, it's just gonna be tough for the Vikings to, to keep up with a high flying Atlanta Hawk. Atlanta Falcons team. You have a matchup. Yeah, and you have a matchup. Atlanta's first in the league in offense right now, and you compare that to the Vikings, they're 29th. Yeah, this is just going to be, this might be an ugly one. So, Falcons all the way. I think the Falcons are just a better football team. I agree. And getting to the Sunday night games, we'll make our our, our picks a little later in the show, the pigskin pick'ems. And, of course, we got to get an MW game of the week going. We'll get to that in a little bit. But the Saints at the Cowboys in a game where a lot of people aren't really sure what to expect from the Saints. Obviously, the Saints picked up a big win at home a week ago against those same Minnesota Vikings. And, you know, after starting 0-2, the Saints are now 1-2 trying to get back to 500. And then you have the Dallas Cowboys that got annihilated by the Niners in Week 1. They came back in Week 2 and 3 picking up wins against Tennessee, and they came back down 21 nothing last week against the St. Louis Rams. You really don't know what you're going to get from this Dallas team because the Saints are such a different team when they're away from home. The thing I will say about this game is because of the fact that AT&T Stadium is in a dome, I think that benefits the Saints 
and they should be able to put up a lot of points on a bad Dallas defense. It's a bad Dallas defense, but Dallas can't afford what they did last week. They can't go down 21 nothing. No, they get not behind, against a team like lose. not against the Saints. That'll work against a bad, you know, uh, that'll bad work Rams against team. the uh, yeah. Rams or the Vikings. That'll work against the lower tier teams, even the Buccaneers, the bad teams in the National Football League. But when you go down against a Saints team, you know, with Drew Brees and and with you know with with an offense that, that is is that is powerful, especially you mentioned indoors. AT and T Stadium is indoors. When you go down by that much. You know, they're they're not going to let up. They're not the, they're not the St. Louis Rams offense that it was it was you know magical that they put up 21 points so quickly the way they did. So I don't think that's going to be the same case. The Dallas Cowboys have to find defense somewhere. Have to find a pass rush. Their defense is atrocious. It's it's awful. So I just don't think I don't I think if they get into the type of game they played last week against the St. Louis Rams, they're not going to win this game. No, Dallas has to come out and you know be a completely different football team from start to finish. They're 2 and 1 right now, but it's the Dallas Cowboys. They go 8 and 8 every year. They have some highs, they have some lows. This could be a low. I think the Saints coming in after picking up a big win a week ago gaining their first W of the season. They come in feeling good about themselves. I'm you know I'm going to I will make our picks later as I keep saying, but you know, I think it's going to be very tough for Dallas to win this game. I'm likely going to take the Saints. Yeah. And then finally, the Monday night game, Patriots at the Chiefs. Another, you know, a dud matchup, sadly, in this one. you got the Chiefs who are at 1-2. and two. New England's 2-1. and one. But you know, just talking about the Patriots for a second, New England really struggled a week ago against the Oakland Raiders. That was a game that I'll came down what, to the final minutes. This is a New England team that, you know, everyone's like, oh, 12-13 wins easily. They cannot protect Tom Brady. He is on his butt. Looks like playing and play out. So, if they don't do a better job of protecting him, and the Chiefs with a decent passer, they can win this game. I mean, the Chiefs can win this game at home. So I don't think it's I don't think the Patriots are as as a complete team as everyone thinks. They do not have a good offensive line, and when you don't protect Tom Brady, the Patriots become very vulnerable. Yeah, you know the Patriots' offense right now is just twenty sixth in the league, and watching Tom Brady drop back, it just he kind of just zones in on um, Gronkowski every single play because he doesn't trust his other receivers out there. And he doesn't have a lot of time to throw the football. Well, that's the thing. There's so, no so, time. So, you know, Brady's really struggled. Their offense is only, you know, I just said 26 in the league. Their defense has stepped up and played well. You would expect that, too, when they bring in the guys they brought in, including Darrell Revis. Well, they, and, yeah. But, you know, I, I expect New England to win this football game. But the Chiefs are 1-2 right now after they started 9-0 a season ago and went to the playoffs. If they're going to get their season figured out, this would be a big opportunity for them to do it on primetime at home in front of your fans. At home in front of your fans against uh, a, a really good Patriots team. If you could win that game, that could, that this could be a game-changer for them, a season-changer for the Chiefs. But it's going to be tough. The Patriots are good, and, and just Patriots are real good. But another thing about the Patriots, do we finally see a Patriots team that is led by their defense and not their offense? That is the question for the Patriots going forward. Are they a better defensive team than they are an offensive team? Through three weeks, that's been the case. And another question with the Patriots is, of course, can they protect Tom Brady? We keep talking about it, but, you know, this is going to be an ongoing problem. If you can't protect your quarterback, even if you make yeah. the playoffs, you won't win a championship. That's why I didn't get the Logan Mankins trade. No, I didn't understand I didn't, it either. You know, you take away a Pro Bowl guy on your offensive line. And people were trying to make the case, well, they weren't going to be able to afford him and be able to resign him. But you're the Patriots. You're, you're, you're going to win a Super Bowl this Tom year. Tom Brady is in his prime where he's starting to go out of his prime. No, exactly. You have a very tight window right now to try and win championships. You brought in Darrell Reeves on a one-year contract. You made the moves to try and put your team in a position to get a Lombard trophy, it doesn't matter what it takes. If you have to keep Logan Mankins on your team, even though you're going to lose him, if that makes your team better, which it clearly does because we've seen his impact and how much that's affected this team, 
you know, you got to keep them on your team and you got to try and go for a championship. And I didn't agree with the move at the time. And so far, it really hasn't worked out at all. I know, especially when you deal with a, you know, it's always it's always tough when you trade, when you dump a guy on your offensive line. We've seen it as, as Jet fans, you know, the, the Jets took away a lot of pieces on their offensive line a couple of years ago and it really had to kind of rebuild it. Because because you you lost Allen Fanning continuity with the offensive line is the most important thing. You need continuity on that offensive line, and when you trade a Pro Bowler, a leader on that line like Logan Mankins, it's going to be tough for a guy to fill his shoes and protect Tom Brady. And that's what we've seen so far through three weeks. I didn't understand the trade when you try. I get you you might not be able to resign him, but you you mentioned you signed Darrell Rivas to a one year deal. They might not. He's who knows if he's going to be a Patriot next year. You're trying to win a Super Bowl now. You know, get back to a Super Bowl now. I didn't get the trade, and they're having trouble protecting Tom Brady on that line. Absolutely, and that's going to do it for our Week 2 breakdown. When we come back, we're going to break down the Jets matchup against the Detroit Lions, get into our MW game of the week, and, of course, make our pigskin pickums as we do every week right here on the Football Frenzy podcast. We are going to be back right after this. You are listening to the Asman and Butic podcast on ICTV.org and on iTunes. All right, we're back. Welcome back to the Asman and Butic show. Jake Asman joined alongside Dan Butic. And Dan, we had the opportunity last night to speak at Spark at Park right here at Ithaca College. It's a class for freshman students coming into the Park School of Communications to get the Skype in with some alumni, some people in the communications industry in all different majors. And you know, had, and we were actually, you know, had the opportunity to speak to everyone in the class to about 250, 300 college students, all freshmen at Ithaca College. And, you know, it was a lot of fun. We want to thank Dean Gajewski for giving us the opportunity to come in and, you know, tell our story about getting involved so early as freshmen last year and uh, really explain to everyone how we got started with our podcast. So we wanted to come back and make sure we thank Dean Gajewski and everyone listening in to our podcast right now for giving us the opportunity to speak last night at Sparkett Park. And also all the freshmen there that uh, tweeted at us, followed our personal accounts and the show's accounts. It's greatly appreciated. But like you mentioned, Dean Gajetsky giving us the opportunity to speak at Spark. And uh, you know, we had a good time doing it. We prepared a PowerPoint. It was very professional. So we, we, I know we had fun uh, preparing and going up there and talking. You know, we didn't have a football game this week. For those who don't know, we are also the play-by-play and color broadcasters for the Ithaca College Bombers football team. So we didn't have a game this week, so it was still nice to be able to put on a suit on a Tuesday night, get back out there at the Park School Communications and speak to all the freshmen taking that course. I know last year I had the opportunity to take it, and it was kind of fun to be back a year later actually speaking to the people in the class, not listening to the different people that they bring in to speak. But once again, we just wanted to take time uh, in the show to thank Dean Gajanski for giving us the wonderful opportunity to speak. And who, for anyone curious or who wants to see some pictures of the event, we actually posted it on our Twitter page, at Asman Budic Show. And as always, you can follow our personal accounts, at Jake Asman, at Dan Budic. And our producer's Twitter page is at jchernock one for those who are more interested in the show. But make sure you give us a follow on the Asman Budic Show page, and we update everything that's going on in the show. We update our pigskin pick'em standings that I did just a while ago. So when we get into the picks later on in the broadcast, We'll reread those standings and we'll go forward. You'll look at the Jets and the Lions uh, matchup coming in that you know a lot of people aren't really sure what to expect after the way the Jets lost on Monday Night Football against the Chicago Bears. It was a deflating loss. The Jets came out and allowed the Chicago Bears to get out to a quick 14-0 lead. You had the Geno Smith pick six. You had the Jalen Saunders 
fumble on the punt. You had the passing interference call that allowed Chicago to get another touchdown. And just a nightmare performance from Geno Smith, a nightmare performance from this Jets offense that was just one of six in the red zone. And now you welcome in a line team that has Calvin Johnson, Matthew Stafford, a bunch of playmakers. And, oh, yeah, you know, the Lions come in beating the Packers last week, only allowing the Packers to score seven points. And Jake, you brought up an excruciating loss by the Jets, and it was, and I feel like we just said it was excruciating loss the week before against the Green Bay Packers. I mean... This was even worse. This, this was bad. It was bad in every sense. Special teams, they couldn't feel the punt. Uh, on offense, they were great at moving the ball out, outside the 20s. Inside the 20-yard line, they couldn't do a lick. One of six in the red zone, uh, scoring touchdowns. I mean, you got to be better than that. And Geno Smith has has to. It's imperative that if the Jets are going to compete this year at all, G- with Geno Smith as quarterback, he cannot turn over the ball the way he did. He cannot throw a pick six on the third play of the game, and he cannot turn over the ball in the red zone, y- throwing it into the Bears' end zone. You can't do that. You're setting yourself up for disaster. Already, already giving the Bears, you know, 14 points. You set them up. I mean, if the Bears wanted to win this game, and, 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 Jake, we both agreed on this off the air, but we'll talk about it here. The Bears did nothing to win this game. The Jets handed the Chicago Bears this football game, and the Bears almost handed it right back because the Jets didn't want it at all. Yeah, I mean, think about it, Dan. The Jets went out, and they went one of six in the red zone, and, you know, the play calling was terrible. We'll get into that for a second. The Jets were in a situation late in that third quarter where they had third and two from the two-yard line, third and goal. And they do a direct quarterback snap Awful. to Geno Smith. Worst play call. When they had Chris Ivory, who was averaging almost five yards a touch at that point. You know, the Jets did not utilize Chris Ivory. They went to Chris Johnson way too much. Where was Chris Ivory at the end of that game on that drive? You know, we could spend 40 minutes. What was minutes. Bilal Powell? Yeah. I like Bilal Powell, but he shouldn't be in the game when you're in the red. You need a guy, that, a, a proven guy like Chris Ivory has shown, who can pound the football. I know Rex said, well, Bilal Powell's an underrated back, and I think he is too. But he's an underrated back for a third down back. You could spend 40 back. minutes just talking about the lousy play calling. Marty uh, Morningweg, Morning and I like night. Marty Morningweg, and I think he's done a good job with Geno dating back to last year when Geno was a rookie. The play calls in this game, especially down the stretch, were absolutely atrocious. Yeah. Absolutely atrocious and unacceptable. Yeah, and Geno Smith was unacceptable as a player awful. as well. He was awful. He was terrible. The pick six on the second play of the game. Second and, or third, whatever it was, it was. It was the second play of the game. That was the first time in Monday Night Football history that there's been a pick six in the second play of a game. Never been a score that fast with a pick six. And it's just, of course, it's the Jets that are involved in it. But, you know, it, the way Geno Smith played coming out like that, you have your first 10 plays scripted as an offense, and that's what you do on the second play of the game. And then, of course, the turnover in the end zone, the interception in the end zone, when the Jets were moving the football right down the field, that was a killer as well. A killer. You look at this team, we're going only one of six in the in the red zone, and you know what? Geno Smith did for 316 yards, and if they win the game, we're talking about how, oh, look at all the weapons the Jets had. Geno played so well with no Decker. But when you turn the football over a it's a good team, and we talked about this on one of the earlier shows after the Jets beat the Raiders. The Jets pl- dominated that football game as well, but you know the Raiders are a bad team. They couldn't capitalize on the Jets' miscues. Well, a good team like the like the Chicago Bears is going to capitalize, and they and they did they did just enough to win that game. The Jets spotted them a 14 point lead, and good teams find a way to hold on. The Bears they didn't play great, but they found a way to beat the Jets. And Geno Smith, I'm sorry, I've defended this guy more than probably anyone over the past couple of years, dating back to when they got him, giving him the opportunity to play. And of course, you know the two you know. 
yeah, me and you were big Mark Sanchez supporters, and we supported him. But these turnovers have to stop. Have to. I understand he's only in his second year, and he's in his 19th game starting in the NFL. But he's still making rookie mistakes, and Geno's clearly improved. And I'm a big Geno Smith believer. I'm a big Geno Smith fan. But you have to take care of the football. You cannot spot a good team 14 points, and you can't turn the football over in the end zone, and you can't throw a pick well, six. Why don't we talk about this? How about the fact that you forget about the Jets could have turned over five times. You had, you know, how many times? How many times did David Nelson fumble the football on Monday night? And three times. And how many dropped interceptions? I Even on the last yeah. drive alone, the Bears could have ended the game with a, you know, a very easy interception that went out of the linebackers' hands. That could have ended the game right there for the Chicago Bears was, and put the Jets out of misery. Brutal. It was brutal. Geno Smith, you're right, Jake. He's got to protect the football better. And right? one more point on this game because I know people are talking about the the referee, the officiating. It was terrible, but that wasn't the reason why the Jets lost the game. I I understand no. they lost a touchdown on the David Harris strip sack and the Demario Davis but you know what? I, fumble I, return. I, yeah. They lost a touchdown. I, but you know what? The Jets made so many other mistakes that this game did not come down to the officiating. And the Jets just converted on one one or two times in the red zone instead of coming away with field goals. Maybe Geno Smith doesn't throw that red zone interception and they kick another field goal right there. The Jets probably win this football game. It was the lack of execution in the red zone, the lack of proper play calling by Marty Morningweg. And you know what? Anyone that try is trying to get on the defense, I just I just don't think that's fair. You're without D. Milner. You still have a very young secondary. And they very, got some big stops. A very inexperienced secondary. And you held Jay Cutler and the Bears in check for most of the game. You gave him a 14-point lead. And, you know, from that point on, the Jets' defense really stepped up and allowed allowed the offense to chip away and try and get back in the game. The pass rush was very solid. Sheldon Richardson had a great game. Muhammad Wilkerson had a sack, and he played well. I'm not going to blame the defense. The defense has to play like that this Sunday against Matthew Stafford for them to even have a chance against that offense. And but you know what? This game, I'm sorry, it falls on the offense. It doesn't fall on the officiating. It falls on the Jets' lack of execution in the red zone. And, you know, they got to get that corrected because you won't beat good teams unless you score touchdowns. Unless the Jets don't score, you know, 22, 23 points a game, you're not going to win in the NFL. Offenses are too good now. Points come, you know, too easily now in the NFL. You can't just rely on your defense to shut the other team down. Geno Smith has to play better. He has to take care of the football. And he's got to be able to put up some points for this team. And you got to punch it in when you have an opportunity and get six. You cannot be one of six in the red zone. You can't do it. You're not going to beat good football teams like that. The Jets have played three games and have outplayed their opponent three times, and they're one and two. Something about that isn't right. And what's not right about it is the Jets shoot themselves in the foot. They make too many mistakes, whether they're fumbling a punt window, they're calling a timeout or, you know, right before a touchdown pass. It's... It's mind-boggling some of the mistakes this team has made this year. This team is one and two, but a couple they, of mistakes they can, they can be three and up. And you know, couple that's, of changes are and, it, and as two big Jeff fans like we are, that's the most frustrating part about it. And now you look at this Lions team coming into the MetLife Stadium on Sunday, and this is a huge game for the Jets. Not only do they need to win this game just to get back to 500 now, but you look at their schedule coming up when you have San Diego and Phillip Rivers. You obviously have the Denver Broncos and Peyton Manning, Tom Brady and the Patriots. You have some really good quarterbacks coming up. So the Jets need to win this football game to stay afloat because if they make it past this rough part of their schedule they're in good shape going forward but right now the way the Jets are playing with all these turnovers and miscues you know, do we know if they're going to make it past the schedule? They need to get things know. right on Sunday. Geno Smith needs to have a nice bounce-back game. He cannot turn the football over. Because I think if the Jets play an efficient game, they could beat anyone in this league. We've seen them play well. We saw them take that 21-3 lead against the Packers. But it comes down to execution. And if the Jets go 1-6 in the red zone, and Geno Smith throws a pick-six and throws a turnover in the end zone, 
you know, throws a throws an INT. Yeah. They don't. Des- they they're not gonna win. And, and you, you know what? They didn't deserve the win on Monday night. You have to know. And I, I'm t- I'll tell you what. I think if they got that fumble for a touchdown, and they and it was ruled it was a touchdown, the Jets would have found a way to loss anyway. They were not gonna win Monday night. They just everything was. Just, they were just moving backwards Monday night. They were just move. Even when they moved forward, it was two steps forward. Uh, you get to fourth down in your red zone, two steps backwards. You got to kick a field. It, it was like that the entire game. They couldn't. They just couldn't punch it in. And you talk about a team like the Lions. Let me tell you what. If you're the Jets' offense, you cannot. You cannot turn the football over and allow this Lions' offense to have short field position. When you're talking about Calvin Johnson, the last time the Jets played the Lions, Calvin Johnson didn't do anything because Darrell Revis was on him. Now Antonio Allen's going to be on him. We're talking about a different game. You have to protect the football. And if you're not. You're going to lose the football game. Absolutely. You cannot give the Lions a short field with Calvin Johnson and this offense. And this you is a can't Lions. do it. Absolutely You'll can't. lose yep. 10 out of 10 times. Absolutely. And this is a Lions team that coming into the game is already averaging over 364 yards of offense coming in. And, you know, the Jets defense has been very good. They're actually ranked number two in the NFL right now in total defense. But the Lions are still going to be able to score points. You know, so it's on the Jets' offense to step up and score points right back. This isn't a Lions defense that the Jets should fear. They have to protect the football. They have to, I think, simplify their offense with Geno Smith. He threw way too many times on Monday night. They kind of abandoned the running game, and it didn't make any sense because when Chris Ivory had the football, he played really well, and he averaged five yards Not a touch. Not only did they abandon the running game, Marty Morningweg. He, he needs to use Ivory no, more. He, he tried to go to Chris Johnson he, way too much. He not only tried to go to Chris Johnson way too much, but he has these tendencies to get really fancy with these end arounds and and Gino doing the the uh, the option and if and I see Michael Vick on the, the field on Sunday, what, what I'm I don't freak what out. I don't get is is like what benefit is it having Michael Vick come in on one play picking up two yards? What what as opposed to giving it to the running back uh, Johnson or Ivory or Powell and getting two yards? I it, the option with Michael Vick and the Wildcat, so to speak, it hasn't worked since the Dolphins did it for one year in 2008 and won the division. Since that point in time. The Wildcat has not worked, and it won't again. It's pointless, and we, it's say, pointless. We, we say the same thing every week. It's very defendable. And when you bring in, and the thing is, is when you bring in Michael Vick, it, everyone knows he's not throwing it. He's not going to come in cold and throw a bomb downfield. He's going to run the ball and try to move it, and try to move it from left to right up, up to the chains, try to pick up a first down. It's not working. It's not working. They shouldn't do it. Michael Vick is on this team to be a backup, not a garbage Tim Tebow experiment like we saw two years ago. Every time I see Michael Vick back on the field, I gag and think of the Tim Tebow massacre two years ago where you had no idea who was going to come on the field, where who was going to line up where. It was a train wreck. The Michael Vick experiment, he's a backup on this team. If Gino doesn't play well next week and Gino plays like garbage against the Lions and turns the ball over, Michael Vick should start the next week. Not this wildcat option with Vick. Vick's either the starter or the backup, not in between. Which brings to our next point. I want to talk around around New York this week about how big of a leash does Geno have left? How how much longer could Rex Ryan continue to throw Geno Smith out there? And I think Geno Smith has shown you enough this season, has shown you in the second year that he has significantly improved since last year when he was a rookie. He has been better. Is he making the rookie mistakes? He is. But I'm not ready to give up on Geno Smith. He's in his second season. Use a second-round pick on this guy. He only has started 19 games so far in his NFL career. He needs more time to develop, especially with no Eric Decker out there. But the bottom line is, right now, this Jets team is good enough in a, in, in a 
in an NFL full of parity to make the playoffs. If they lose on Sunday to the Detroit Lions, and it's a lot of the same things we saw against the Bears and the Packers with you know the stupid mistakes, uh, big-time interception that cost then the Jets a game, or a pick six, then, then you have to think long and hard about going to Michael Vick. Because but not but only... for right now, Geno Smith needs to be the starting quarterback for this team. You don't give up on a guy after only making 19 starts. After you went an entire season last year trying to find out if he's going to be the franchise quarterback. If you went into the offseason with Geno Smith thinking that he was going to be your guy and you let him go through the full offseason program and you brought in Decker to try and strengthen his receiving course, you got to let Geno Smith go out there for at least four games a season. But if he does it, yeah, I agree. But if he does not play well on Sunday. Then you have to start thinking about going to not Vic. Only, you not only have to go to Vic just to because you got to win games. And let's be honest here. If the Jets don't make the playoffs, if they're a 7-9 and nine team, or even 8-8, eight and, eight, and, no and it's an ugly 8-8, eight eight, Rex will not be back. Yeah, there's no year. guarantee Rex is back. And Rex has to, you know, Rex has to think about that. He 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 shelled Mark Sanchez and kept Mark Sanchez in too long because he, Mark was his guy. They drafted him in the fifth They drafted him fifth overall. They traded up for him. Rex wanted Mark to play well. Rex cannot do, make the same mistake he made with Mark Sanchez, leaving him in too long uh, that he that it, with Geno Smith. Because if that's the case, we're not talking about. You know, we're not talking about you know five and two or six and two. We're talking about one and five, two and five, and then you're really two and five, two and six, and then you're really talking about wow, how much longer can you go with Geno if he's playing that poorly? Now, if he plays really well and they lose on a player or they lose, you know, like a normal football team would lose because the Jets don't lose like a normal football team. The Jets lose because they shoot themselves in the foot. But if the Jets lose a normal football game where they just get out outplayed and Geno plays well. You can't ask for anything else. But if he plays poorly and costs them the game again, you have to really consider going to Michael Vick. Yeah, absolutely. And you look at this Jets team, and you look at Geno Smith and the way this offense is built with the running backs that they have. You have to simplify. You have, you have to try and simplify things. Yeah. You can't ask Geno Smith to do too much in just his second season. I know he's improved. We've seen the improvement. We've seen him have more confidence in the pocket. Sometimes he has too much confidence and tries to make too much happen when a play should probably be dead and he should throw the football away. But... Geno Smith right now is the guy, and if he goes out there on Sunday and he plays okay and the Jets lose a close one and it's not his fault, you have to keep going because you know what? Michael Vick doesn't have a future with this team. Geno Smith, the jury is still out if he does or not. So you have to keep going. You have to find out if Geno Smith is going to be your franchise quarterback going forward. But, you know, we're at a point right now where if Geno Smith continues to make the same mistakes, then you have to start thinking about going to Michael Vick. But for right now, Geno Smith, I still think, gives his team the best chance to win than an old, aging Michael Vick, who we're not sure really has that much left, if any, at all. So right now, Geno Smith should be the quarterback of this team, and it's imperative that he plays a much better football game on to. Sunday. Takes to. care of the football, because I think if he takes care of the football and he plays, and he, you know, he plays a decent game, the Jets' defense should be able to contain this Lions' offense enough at home to be able to win this football game. That's a big if right now. Are they the going to be able to? The I Jets, don't know. The Jets need to play mistake-three football because right now, when you have that schedule coming up and you have New England, you have Denver, you have the Chargers, you have three gunslinging quarterbacks coming in, that's, that's, very, that's very tough to ask the defense to step up. Geno Smith needs to make some plays, or it could be Michael Vick time in New York in a matter of weeks. Rex Ryan, you mentioned it, Dan. He's trying to save his job. Right now, Rex Ryan's in a situation where he's going to go with Geno Smith but if he thinks that Geno Smith is not getting any better with, as far as the turnovers go, he's got to go to Vic because if, if the Jets go 1-5, 1-6, you can't. What are you going to do? You have to make a change. You have to spark your team somehow at that point. So, you know, right now it is going to be Geno Smith, and I expect Geno Smith to play much better this upcoming Sunday. But, you know, the questions are going to start. I hope so. The, the better. But the questions, you know, they're already out. People are already questioning. When is it going to be Michael Vick? Right now it's Geno Smith. But for, you know, 
but for the foreseeable future, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know what's going on with this Jets team. Hopefully, going forward, Geno Smith steps up on Sunday, plays a good football game, and the Jets win in a perfect world for us Jets fans. In a perfect world, and then you have to worry about that secondary too. I mean, the Jets have a lot of question marks right now. It all starts with Geno Smith, though. If he's got to give him a chance to win, he's got to play well. He can't turn the football over. That's it. If he if he can play well. I think the Jets will win on Sunday. All right, Dan, it's now time for our Mark Webber Game of the Week. For those who don't know, we'll refresh everyone's memory. A game that's either irrelevant or we think could be a blowout. Just a game that we think doesn't really have much interest to the average NFL fan. And this week's game, we have to, you know, a lot of discussion. We're going to take this game outside the country. It's a game we talked about earlier. It's the Oakland Raiders, who are technically the home team, taking on the Miami Dolphins from Wembley Stadium in England, out there in London. So that's our Mark Webber game of the week. And, Dan, this game has the potential to be abominable. You know, abominable, irrelevant. Uh, you know, the, I think the only people that are going to be watching are diehard fans of the Oakland Raiders, diehard fans of the Miami Dolphins. But it has earned this week's Mark Webber game of the week. And, Dan, as you said off the air, the game is so bad they had to take it out of the country. So bad they had to take it out of the country. And take a home game away from the Oakland Raiders. Which we talked about earlier, just losing just, home games in the NFL is tough. I, I just don't get, I get a preseason game. I think a preseason game is great. I think it would be a great opportunity, but to take a regular season game away, why is it fair that the Oakland Raiders have to, are playing seven home games as opposed to everyone else who plays eight? I just, I, I don't get it. And this is an Oakland Raiders team that could use a win. And that's what life. I'm saying. And and you know what? They have a home field advantage and somewhat of a home field advantage. Well, they used to when they were, you know, a powerhouse team. Not so much anymore since they've struggled over the last decade. But I, I still think, you know, when they when they did it to, you know, when the Giants went uh, a, a, a number of years ago and they played the Miami. You know, this is Miami's second time at Wembley Stadium. They played the Giants about six, seven years ago when they first started bringing games overseas. But I just don't get taken a home game away from from an NFL team. I think they're so valuable. And I just think a preseason game I have no problem with. But to take a regular season game and over the course of a week to go overseas to prepare for the game, you might be jet lagged. I just I don't like it. I don't like the idea of it. No, I'm not a fan of it either. And that's why it's this week's Mark Weber game of the week. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a break, come back with Jake Chernock's four down segment, which we didn't have a chance to do last week due to some scheduling conflicts, but Jake has prepared his four down segment for this week's show. And then after we do the four downs, we're going to get into the infamous pigskin pick'em segment. All that coming up right after this. Now it's time for four downs with Jake Chernock. On first down, the 49ers have surprised many people by starting off 1-2. The Niners lead the NFL in penalties called, penalties accepted, and first downs allowed off penalties. Many of these penalties are coming at costly times. Ten of these penalties have come on third down, and nine of those were on third and six or longer. The 49ers had seven such penalties all of last season. Their defense has extended nine total drives due to those third down penalties, and seven of those drives resulted in points. On second down during the Jets' Monday night football loss to the Chicago Bears, the Jets were able to get into the red zone. They just couldn't punch it in for touchdowns, scoring only once in six red zone trips. Geno Smith was four for nine passing from inside the red zone. And the five instances in which the Jets didn't score a touchdown were the most touchdown-free trips into the red zone by the team since Rex Ryan became head coach in 2009. On third down during Seattle's game-winning drive against Denver last week, Russell Wilson was making plays with his legs. Five of Wilson's six pass attempts came from outside the pocket during the game-winning drive. He completed three of them for first downs. Wilson also rushed four times for 21 yards on the drive. 
earning two first downs via scrambles. Now on fourth down, the Falcons 56 points during the rout of the Buccaneers last Thursday night were the second most in a single game in team history, just six shy of the team record set against the New Orleans Saints in 1973. It was also the second largest margin of victory in team history behind the 55-point win versus the Saints in that same game. As for the Buccaneers, the 56 points allowed are tied for the second most allowed in team history, while the 42-point loss is tied for third most in team history. With the four downs, I'm Jake Chernock. Thanks to our producer Jake Chernock again with the four downs, but now it's time for our favorite moment of the week. Are you ready? This week's Pigskin Pick'ems starts right now. Pigskin Pick'ems are here. We are ready to go. And Dan, to update the standings before we get into it, you are currently 5-5 five and five overall. You had a 2-3 and three week a week ago, and I am 7-3 right now, up by two games on you as we head into week four of the NFL season. I happen to go 3-2 and two last week. So as we head into it, once again, Dan, you are 5-5, five and five, I am 7-3, and three, and that brings on our first game, which will be the Jets and the Lions. The Jets and the Lions. The Jets home against the Lions as they were on Monday night, home against the Bears. And Jake, the Jets are one-and-a-half point dogs at home. You know what? I'm going to take Detroit in this game, and I'll tell you why. I'm not convinced... Geno Smith is going to go out there and play a good game. He's got to. I'm hoping he does. I'm hoping maybe me picking against the Jets is a change of fortune for Geno Smith and the New York Jets. And as far as the offense of the Detroit Lions is concerned, I'm concerned of how the Jets are going to go about guarding Calvin Johnson and Pettigrew at the tight end position. It's going to be tough. It's going to be grueling. And their secondary is going to be up for it. I'm taking the Jets in this one. And a lot of that has to do is... Because I'm a Jeff fan and I'm going to be rooting for them. And you know what? Geno Smith, I don't know if he could play that much worse turnover-wise. And I think he has a nice bounce-back game. I think he has to if he wants to keep his job. And I think that the Jets are going to do a better job simplifying this offense, giving the ball back to Chris Ivory, really trying to establish the ground-and-pound football that we're accustomed to seeing with a Rex Ryan coach team. You know, I think Dean Milner will probably play this week. I think that will help a weak secondary against Calvin Johnson and the Lions offense. And, of course, Eric Decker could be using a limited role. We're not sure yet. But, you know, the bottom line is I expect Geno Smith to bounce back. I expect the Jets' defense to do just enough to keep them in this game. I like the Jets at home trying to win a game. They're trying to potentially save their season with their schedule coming up. And that brings us to our next game. This is the Sunday night football game. The Saints at the Cowboys. New Orleans is three-point favorites on the road, and I'm going to take them anyway. I'm going to lay the three points. I don't trust Dallas. Dallas is just very inconsistent. You never know what Cowboys team is going to show up. New Orleans is a different team on the road, but what helps them is the fact that Dallas plays in a dome. And I think because they play in a dome, that's going to mean that Drew Brees in this offense is going to be able to put up points against a very weak Dallas defense. And you know what? I really can't see the Saints falling to 1-3. and three. I just don't see that happening. I see the Saints bouncing back with a big win to improve the 2-2 two and two on the season. And you know what? Dallas just hasn't shown me that much this season. They barely beat the Rams last week after they went down 21-0. If they don't come out and play right away, the Saints are too good of a team. They're going to take it to them. And I'm taking the Saints in this game. Yeah, I agree with you, Jake. I don't see the Saints falling to 1-3 and three on the season. Dallas is a terrible defensive unit, as we saw last week, allowing 21 points just like that to a very mediocre St. Louis Rams offense. So, as far as that's concerned, I'm also going to lay the three points. I have to say New Orleans is going to win the game. Cannot see them falling to 1-3 on the year. All right, so that was the Sunday night football game. Now going to the Monday night game, which is the Patriots at the Chiefs. And, you know, the spread is Patriots minus three and a half on the road. And I'm taking New England. I understand they struggled against the Raiders. But I think New England in a primetime setting is going to be able to bounce back 
put up some points. It gives it gives Tom Brady and Bill Belichick an extra day to prepare for this Chiefs defense. You know, I, I, I like the Patriots big in this one. The, the Kansas City Chiefs defense is allowing almost 400 yards per game. I think Tom Brady is able to go into, you know, Arrowhead Stadium, play well, have a nice bounce-back game to, a, you know, a struggling start to his season, and this Patriots offense really starts to click Monday night. I like the Patriots. I like the Patriots, too, but they got to do a better job of protecting Tom Brady. I think they'll do it. I'm also going to take the Patriots, uh, you know, Monday night prime time, Monday night football. I don't see them losing to Kansas City. I understand the game is in Kansas City. I still think the Patriots are going, but they got to protect Tom better. Absolutely. My first wild card, we're going to be doing two wild cards this week because of the New York Giants being on Thursday Night Football, just as the Jets won Monday Night Football a week ago. My first wild card is Atlanta at the Vikings. Atlanta is giving two and a half points on the road, but I'm still going to take the Falcons. I just don't think the Vikings are a very good team. They obviously will not have Adrian Peterson back this week. And of course, Matt Castle is out for the season, so they're going to the rookie. Teddy Bridgewater making his first start. I think he plays well. I think Atlanta is going to be you know, back and forth with the Vikings, but when it comes down to it, I see Atlanta winning this game by more than three and a half points. I'm taking Atlanta in this game. Yeah, my first wild card game, I'm going to Indianapolis. Indianapolis taking on the Tennessee Titans. Uh, the Colts are seven and a half point favorites. I think they're going to cover. I'm taking the Colts to win. So Dan's taking the Colts, and that brings up my final wild card pick. It's the Packers and the Bears. The Packers are giving one on the road, but I'm still taking Green Bay. I can't see Green Bay going to one and three. You know, Aaron Rodgers is just too good of a quarterback, and we saw Geno Smith. He was not able to take advantage of that Bears secondary. I think Aaron Rodgers, as good as he is, he will be able to do so. I like the Packers in this game. The Bears, they've impressed me with their ability to find ways to win games, as they did against the Niners, as they did against the New York Jets. But if you watched the Bears play last week, you saw that the Jets kind of made more mistakes than the Bears made big-time plays. And for that reason, and for the fact that the Packers have Aaron Rodgers, I like the Packers to win the game outright and obviously cover that one-point spread. My final wild-card game, I'm going to Heinz Field, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'm taking the Steelers and the Buccaneers. Steelers, seven-and-a-half-point favorites at home. They're going to win the game. The Buccaneers are god-awful. Who knows who's going to play for quarterback. Glennon McCown's been terrible. He's out with a thumb injury. Pittsburgh's going to win the game. So just to wrap up the picks, I have the Jets. I have the New Orleans Saints. I have the Patriots. I have the Atlanta Falcons. And I have the Green Bay Packers. All right, summarize my picks. I have Detroit the Jets. I just don't think uh, Geno Smith, I got to see more out of him just for me to pick them over a high-flying offense with the Detroit Lions. I'm taking New Orleans over Dallas, New England over Kansas City on Monday night. My two wild cards, Indianapolis over Tennessee, and the Pittsburgh Steelers over the Buccaneers. So that is this week's Pigskin Pick'ems. Dan, this has been a great show. It's been a lot of fun. The NFL Sundays, I mean, is there anything better? There's nothing better than, than, than Sunday, Sunday fun days. Sunday, Sunday fun days. Yeah, they are Sunday fun days, but that's going to do it for us. For Dan Budick, I'm Jake Asman saying so long. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And make sure you follow the Asman Budick Show on Twitter, at Asman Budick Show, for all the great content that we put out there. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Asman and Budick Podcast. Make sure you go on to iTunes and subscribe to the show.